So when I was a, a little boy, my mom took me to the doctor. She thought that I had a hearing problem because she would speak my name or try and talk to me. I was right there in the room, and I didn't respond, so she take, takes me to the doctor. And uh, I remember they put these big headphones on my head, and you're supposed to uh, raise your hand when you hear a tone in the right ear, and then raise your left hand when you hear a tone in the left ear. And turns out I didn't have a hearing problem at all. <laughs> I had a listening problem. My mom spoke. I didn't listen. One of the ways that we could talk about what sin is like is that it is a listening problem. A lot of us have heard what God's Word has to say. A lot of people have heard what God's Word has to say. They've heard uh, God speak about His commands. They've heard about Jesus Christ, and they've heard what God says in, in this part of the Bible or this part of the Bible. A lot more of us have heard what the Bible says than we have listened to what the Bible says and been ready to obey what God's Word says. One of the things that we see in the book of Exodus and one of the things that we'll see today is that having a listening problem when it comes to God's word doesn't work out well in the end. See, the problems that come with having a listening problem when we do not listen to God's word and obey what it says. What's more, particularly in this passage, I hope you'll see who is it who makes it so that people can listen. Who is it who makes it so that People will be persuaded or convinced of the truth. Who is it that opens people's ears, opens their hearts to hear the good news of God's word, of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ? Uh, Today we're going to be in Exodus 6. Exodus 6. And the first thing that we're going to see is that Israel doesn't listen. Israel doesn't listen. People don't listen. Israel doesn't listen. We'll look at Exodus 6 and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Israel doesn't listen. Exodus 6 verses 1 through 9. This is what it says. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For the strong hand he will send them out and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Uh, We're kind of picking up in the middle of the story a little bit here. So in chapter 4, Moses had gone to the people of Israel, and he had done these signs before the people of Israel, and the people of Israel believed, and they worshiped God. Then uh, Moses went before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And then Moses... Uh, I'm sorry, Pharaoh made things harder for the Israelites. He, he made their 
their hardship and their slavery even worse than it was before. So that by the end, the people are no longer believing what Moses said. Instead, they are complaining to Moses and they are cursing Moses in the Lord's name. Now then you come to verse 1. Moses has just uh, been complaining to God and talked about how the people don't listen to him or how nothing has gone right. And here God says, but the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I do to Pharaoh. Last, last week really focused on the fact that really Israel should have anticipated. Moses should have anticipated what was about to happen. God had said, he's not going to let you go easily. He's only going to let you go if they, he is compelled by me. If I make him let you go, that's the only way. God had also said that he would harden Pharaoh's heart. That is, he would make Pharaoh stubborn so that Pharaoh would not listen to Moses. So he really should have anticipated this. I think the one of the things to focus in on this verse for this week, though, is the, the people and Moses really have to be brought to the end of themselves. They really need to say and see, they really need to see that God, God is the only one who can save them. Like they are not going to save themselves. They do not have the ability, they do not have the power to save themselves. This is really what we all have to have. This is, a, this is a prerequisite for us believing in Jesus Christ. For us coming to God is that we are humbled. That we see that we cannot save ourselves. Jesus says in Matthew 18 that we have to come to God, have to come to Him like a little child. Dependent, weak, helpless. Many people in their sin are proud. They're unwilling to recognize that they are incapable of understanding, of knowing, of seeing, of being saved apart from God. God is the one who saves. God says to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. It depends upon me. Then verse 2, God begins to speak about the covenant that he made with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. These are, uh, this is a solemn agreement, a bond between God and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a, a bond based upon God's promises. He said, I made, a, I made a covenant with them. I made myself known to them as God Almighty. There's a little bit of a, a difficulty in uh, verse 3 where it says, I didn't make myself known by the name. The, the problem with that is, is that in chapter 15, God reveals himself to Abraham as as the Lord, that is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, uh, Yahweh. Uh, he made himself known the same, by the same name to Jacob in chapter 28. In fact, as early as Genesis 2, it talks about the Lord. The, the God who created the world has always been the Lord. That is the one who revealed himself in, Genesis, at, at, in Exodus 3 as I am who I am. The Lord, Yahweh. Uh, one way to solve that problem is to say uh, that, uh, and this is possible in the original languages, uh, to phrase it as a question, did I not make myself known to them as the Lord? I made my, I spoke to them as the Lord. Or perhaps that, uh, that they did not really understand what it meant for God to be the Lord. That is, I am who I am, the uncaused one, the uncreated one, the one who does everything. Whatever the case is, God is saying, I am that same God. I am the same God who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and made these covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them the promised land. 
God told Abraham back in Genesis 15, your people will go down to Egypt and they will go into slavery for 400 years and then I will bring them out. God is the one who told Jacob, uh, go down to Egypt. I will surely keep my promises to you, but you go down to Egypt. God has spoken all these things to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The other thing that God says is he says, I've seen their suffering. I've seen their affliction. I've seen their harsh slavery. This is that God is basing his covenant faithfulness, his faithfulness to his promises on his character. God is faithful. God is merciful. Our faith in God is rooted in who God is. Whenever we believe and when we obey, it is because we believe that God is faithful and loving and merciful and good. When we fear or have anxiety or doubt or grumble, it is because we doubt God's character. Because we doubt that God is faithful. We doubt that God is merciful. But here God is saying, I am the one who made these promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I am the faithful one. I am the merciful one who comes down to those who are suffering. And I am ready to deliver. I will bring them out of slavery here in Egypt. And I am going to bring them to the promised land. Now here comes the hard part for Moses. I need you to go back to Israel again and tell them again that that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's, you look at the, it's kind of like split in half. God says to Moses... This is who I am. Now then, I want you to go and tell the Israelites. You know, remember the ones who, who listened to you before, and then things went bad, and then you, they, they, they don't want to listen to you, and they're not going to listen to you, and Pharaoh didn't listen to you, and Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. You remember all those people that, who are not going to listen to you? Yeah, I want you to go back and tell them that I am the faithful and merciful God who is going to do what I have promised. Go back and tell them that I'm going to that I'm the God. I'm the one who revealed himself as God Almighty. I am the one who revealed himself as the Lord. And I am going to keep my promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm going to bring you from here. And I'm going to bring you to the promised land. I am going to be your God. And you are going to be my people. Well, Moses goes back. Moses goes back. And he does all this he spoke thus to the people of Israel look at verse 9 spoke thus to the people of Israel but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery now is there from a human point of view is their response understandable yes it is now we have to, you know, when we, when we speak God's word to people, we need to be mindful of circumstances and situations and understand, try and do our best to understand who people are and what their sufferings are. And it's understandable that Israel, uh, Israel has not seen uh, what God has done. They don't, they haven't, they've, they've known slavery. Uh, their slavery has only gotten worse. And so uh, they are not ready to listen. They are not ready to believe. Uh, at the same time, is their response the right response? No, it's not. I don't think it is. You know, Romans 4, Paul says that when God spoke his word to Abraham, that even though Abraham was as good as dead, that is, he was already very aged, says that his, his wife's womb was as good as dead, but yet when God spoke to Abraham, Abraham believed. 
he was as good as dead. His wife was as good as dead. The promise seemed as good as dead. And yet God spoke and Abraham believed. That's the nature of real, genuine faith. I think Israel's faith is revealed here to be shallow. As long as they thought that it was going to be quick and easy, they were ready to believe what God said. Jesus himself faced the same kind of problem. John 6, as long as they thought that he was going to be giving them bread from heaven, they were ready to follow Jesus. But as soon as Jesus said something like, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, believe on me, rely on me for salvation, for eternal life, they, were, they left. Same thing with the rich young ruler. Comes to Jesus, says, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And he was, he was ready to obey all of God's commandments, but he was not ready to devote everything that he had to Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ calls us to deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow him. If that doesn't make you flinch and wince a little bit, you haven't really understood what that means. But real genuine faith does not grow weaker under trials, it grows stronger. Real genuine faith is refined by difficulty, by trials, by hard times. Trials, trials of various kinds make, our, make real genuine faith steadfast faith. Now then the other thing to think about with Israel is that they are not listening to what Moses has to say. They're not listening to what God has to say here. It's a little bit understandable. I don't think that they're wholly without responsibility, but surely they are less culpable here than they are after God brings them out of Egypt. Then after God reveals his law to them from Mount Sinai, after God reveals himself there in, in thunder and lightning after he reveals himself in signs and wonders and miracles. And yet they don't listen to him then either. How much greater is our responsibility, is our culpability, if we refuse the salvation that is offered to us after Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? We have seen Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead. If we neglect such a great salvation, how much more responsible, how much more culpable, how much more guilty are we? We need to hear God's word. We need to listen to God's word. May God grant us ears to hear. May he grant us hearts that are softened to his word so that we are, are responsive and pliable to his way. To live and believe and to obey and to trust and to love him. To trust Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has died on the cross for our sins. He's been raised from the dead. We know that God is for us if we will trust in him. So let us believe his words and obey him. The next thing that we see is that nobody listens to Moses. Nobody listens to Moses. Pick up in verse 10. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. It says, So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of the land, out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their father's houses. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Pelu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jamuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. 
These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Malai, and Mushai, these are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. The years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nephek, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elishaba, the daughter of Amminadab, and the sister of Nishan. And she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, that Moses, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Uh, a lot of times when we read the Old Testament, sometimes the New Testament, uh, we don't really understand these genealogies. Uh, our ancestors are probably not as significant to us as they were uh, for, say, ancient Israelites or ancient cultures. Number one, they, they didn't have, they didn't have uh, last names. So this was how to identify who Moses and Aaron were. Uh, the other thing is, is that the reason why it was so important to them who their ancestors were is because God made promises to their ancestors. They're tracing the promises of God. When they go through these names, they're tracing God's faithfulness to these people. You can also see in this genealogy that there's a focus on the priesthood. Moses and Aaron come from the tribe of Levi. Uh, that's, the, that's the priesthood tribe. They come from uh, the, the clan of Korah. That's the priesthood. So, so when Moses does all these priestly things, everything has already been set up ahead of time to be, for him to be a priestly figure, for Aaron to be a priestly figure. It even ends with Phineas. Uh, Phineas uh, should go and read this story in Numbers 25. He is the one who showed zeal for the Lord. And because of his zeal for the Lord, God made a covenant with him that the priesthood would be in his family, that it would go through him. Probably the most significant connection to the genealogy, though, is that it goes from Levi to Phineas. God has just said to Moses that I am going to bring you from Egypt to the promised land. Do you know when the genealogy goes from and to? It goes from the generation of Levi, that when there were only 70-something people went down to Egypt, and it goes all the way to the generation of Phineas that goes right into the promised land. God is saying through this genealogy, I'm going to do what I just said I would do. In fact, he's reminding later generations that all that I have spoken to the people of Israel here has been accomplished. I brought you here. I am the God. I am Lord. I am the God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt, and I am bringing you into the promised land. Now, what, what uh, bookends the genealogy is Moses talking about his uncircumcised lips. That is, he doesn't have persuasive lips. Maybe even calling to mind that incident in the wilderness, uh, that uncomfortable incident in the wilderness in chapter 4. Uh, but God, I, 
I don't have lips that are persuasive. Look, I spoke to Israel. They didn't listen to me. I spoke to Pharaoh. He didn't listen to me. How am I going to go and say anything else to Pharaoh? He doesn't listen to me. Now again, is, is Moses' response reasonable from a human perspective? Yeah, it is. He keeps talking to people, and people keep not listening. Now then, just by the way, if every prophet in the Old Testament had stopped because people didn't listen to him, we wouldn't have any prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus himself had the same problem. People had ears. They were hearing, but they were not understanding. They were seeing, but they were not perceiving. They didn't understand who he was. All prophets have the problem of going to speak to a people who won't listen. So that, that's not supposed to deter him. Is Moses' response right? It's understandable. It's reasonable. But it's not right. He says, I don't have... I don't have persuasive speech. I can't convince Pharaoh to let the people go. Well, God has already revealed himself to Moses and said, I am. I am who I am. I am the Lord. I am the uncreated one. I am the one, I am the uncaused one who causes all things. Don't don't tell me about, about what you can or were made to do or what you can't do. I am the one who makes your mouth. I am the one who makes your lips. I am the one who makes your tongue. I am the one who causes people's hearts to be stubborn. Or I am the one who causes people's hearts to be remade and reformed. I am the one who causes. Not only does Israel need to see that they are not the ones with the power to save themselves, Moses needs to see that he is not the one with the power to convince anyone to let anybody go. We need to remember this. We're, we're supposed to open our mouths and speak to people about the gospel. We're supposed to speak to one another. We're supposed to speak the truth to one another in love. We're supposed to have answers for outsiders. And none of us should think, well, I don't, I'm not skillful. I'm not persuasive. I'm not, I'm not convincing enough. I don't have enough training. Listen, if, if you know the gospel well enough to believe in Jesus Christ, you know the gospel well enough to tell somebody else how to believe in Jesus Christ. By all means, seek knowledge and wisdom and skillfulness. But nobody should say, I'm not skillful enough, I'm not convincing enough, I'm not persuasive enough to share the gospel with somebody. None of us should say, I'm not... I'm not I'm not smart enough, I'm not knowledgeable enough, I'm not skillful enough, I don't know, I don't have training, I don't have knowledge, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. None of us should say that. All of us should know who is the one who causes people to believe. It's God. God is the one who caused us, the way that Peter says it in 1 Peter 1. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. John 3, it is the Spirit who moves in people and makes it where people see. The way we read in 1 Corinthians 4, which we'll revisit later. He is the one who removes the veil from people's hearts so that they see. We don't do that. We are responsible. None of us are are prophets, say the way that Moses is. But all of us are responsible for speaking God's word. 
Speaking God's word to our children. Speaking God's word to our neighbor. Speaking God's word to our coworker. Speaking God's word to, to one another. Until we are all built up and made like Jesus Christ. Built up and matured in Jesus Christ. Don't stop speaking the word because you think that people won't listen to you. Of course some people are not going to listen to you. Have you read the Bible? There are people who are not going to listen to the gospel. That is no excuse for not talking about it. Because God is the one who makes human mouths and human tongues and human lips. And God is the one who formed the human heart. And God is the one who takes out stony hearts and gives new hearts. So speak God's word. Even when we see that people are suffering the way that Israel is, is suffering. The message of salvation is always a good message. It's always right to speak about the salvation of Jesus Christ. The good news about Jesus Christ dying for our sins and rising from the dead. Last thing that we'll look at finally is that Pharaoh doesn't listen. Look at chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to, Mo- to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of the land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not, will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. God says to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. Aaron's going to be your mouthpiece. The way that a prophet is the mouthpiece of God, so Aaron's going to be your mouthpiece. So you go back in there. I don't care if you say you don't have the, the right kind of speech. I don't care if you say you have uncircumcised lips. You go in there, let Aaron do the talking. If you need him to, but you go back and you speak to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. Now, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to make Pharaoh's heart stubborn. The God who is over all, the God who is the cause of all, the God who is the creator, he is powerful over human hearts. And in this particular case, he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. God's going to do signs and wonders. He's going to do miracles. Still, Pharaoh's not going to listen. But in the end, I'm going to bring my host. I'm going to bring all my, 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 my armies out of Egypt. 
I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to bring them out with a great acts of judgment. And then I think, I think this is one of the things that, that though we've seen Moses wavering, look at Moses' obedience here. All his reasons are, are very reasonable from a human perspective. Nobody's listening to me. Why should I go back and try and talk to Pharaoh? And yet he does it. To, to, to go back and obey God and to speak when you've been told, when you've been told people won't listen. He does it. You know, one of the reasons why we speak is because God tells us to. And that's enough. At the end of the day, that's enough. That's enough for us to speak. That's enough for us to speak encouragement to one another. That's enough for us to speak correction to one another. That's enough for us to talk to people about their sin. It's enough for us to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ. It's enough for us to be commanded to talk about God's word for us to talk about God's word. It's enough. He goes back in. Uh, God tells Moses, uh, when he asks you for a miracle, I want you to throw the staff down. It's going to become a snake again. And so Moses uh, and Aaron, they take their octogenarian selves and uh, they go in there and they throw down the staff and it becomes a snake. And then the sorcerers and the magicians come in and they're able to do the same thing. They throw their staffs down. Now, I don't know how they're able to do it. I tend to think it's more like illusion like magicians, I don't, I don't know if they had mirrors or curtains or whatever. Uh, other, others think that it might be satanic or demonic. Certainly it is satanic and demonic, uh, what they're doing. But anyway, what, however they're able to do it, they're able to throw it in. The point for us is, Satan always has counterfeits. Like false prophets do false signs. Jesus tells us this, Matthew 24. The book of Revelation just told us this. That the beast is able to do false signs. The false prophet is able to do false signs. That's what, that's what false prophets do. They're able to do false signs. Now then, this false sign is just enough to give Pharaoh a good enough reason to not believe. You ever know people who are like that? You have a, you have a neighbor, co-worker, family member, friend. You're trying to talk to them. You're, you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus and all of a sudden, they've never read a book about it, never studied it, but all of a sudden they want to talk about the Crusades and dinosaurs. That's what they want to talk about. You try and talk to them about their sin, somebody who got a C- minus in high school biology wants to talk to you about the intricacies of, of Darwinian evolution. I mean, they're, they're just, they, they want to talk about something else, and they, they will focus on any reason they can possibly find to not believe. doesn't have to be a good reason. The sinful human heart does not need a good reason to not believe. So it might be good for us to have answers for some of the questions that people have. I'm not denying that. But let's recognize what, what has to happen for somebody to believe in Jesus Christ. They have to hear the gospel. They don't have to hear you explain the, the Jurassic Age. They don't need for you to be able to explain uh, to explain the Crusades or, or uh, what, what believers believed in the 19th century about slavery. They don't need you to explain that. 
they need you to explain how Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners. They need for you to try and show them their sin so that they can turn from their sin and trust in Jesus Christ. Now then, I want you guys to flip over the passage we read just here earlier uh, to 1 Corinthians 4. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. I'll read verses 1 through 5 for us again. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, Moses was disheartened. Paul says, we do not lose heart. Nor, when people don't listen to us, do we resort to underhanded ways or cunning ways. Instead, we keep doing what God's people have always been told to do, what God's ministers have always been told to do, to make an open statement of the truth. God told Moses, go tell this to Pharaoh. Yes, I know I told you that he's not going to listen. Go tell this to Pharaoh. Paul says, we go and speak. We speak God's word. We make an open statement of the truth. Is it veiled to some? Are some blinded by the God of this world, referring to Satan? Yes, but we don't lose heart. We keep making an open statement of the truth because, because God has made the light of his knowledge, of the glory, of the gospel, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shine into our hearts. And the God who makes human hearts and who is sovereign over human hearts, who makes some hearts stubborn, is also the God who shines light into human hearts. Pharaoh had no reason to disbelieve what God said. He had every reason to believe it. Look, the, the staff of Aaron went and ate all the other staffs. God has already demonstrated his supremacy over all the gods of Egypt. But God hardened his heart. God, God made his heart stubborn. This is disturbing for us sometimes. Maybe we think that it, is, it should discourage us. But let me ask you something. God told Moses ahead of time, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn. Do you know of any other specific individual that God has said he would harden their hearts? Certainly not anybody alive today. All the people in your household or in your neighborhood or at your office, People at your ball field, are they walking around with little signs over their head that say, God has already hardened this one, so don't waste your time here. 
Does God say that? No. God, God told Moses to go speak to Pharaoh even when he knew his heart was going to be hardened. But our hope is that in speaking the gospel, God's going to make people listen. God's going to give people new hearts. In fact, this is the encouragement. This is, this is why is Moses disheartened? Because Moses isn't going to listen. But why is Paul Why does Paul not lose heart? Because he knows that God makes the light come on for people. He makes the light shine into people's hearts. He makes people see the glory of Jesus Christ. So go proclaim the gospel to people. Speak God's word to people. The light will shine. God rules over human hearts. The message is... Hey, you think you've got somebody like Pharaoh? You think there's somebody so hard or so powerful or so beyond the limits of God's power? There is nobody beyond the limits of God's power. That means that there is nobody so sinful or so stubborn that God cannot transform their heart and their mind so that they believe on Jesus Christ. Nobody is so poor. Nobody is so rich. Nobody is so knowledgeable, nobody is, nobody is so ignorant that they cannot believe in Jesus Christ. Nobody is so open that it's automatic. Nobody is so closed that they cannot be open. The Lord gives new hearts. The Lord gives people ears to hear. The Lord makes the light of the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to shine in people's hearts. So let us be faithful to all that the Lord has given us to proclaim, to do, to obey. Let us not be hardened. Let us not be stubborn in our hearts, but believe all that God has promised. Let us not forsake or despise such a great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. But let us believe that the Lord will keep his promises. Let's pray. Father, um, The God who creates, the God who makes, the God who keeps covenant and promises. We appeal to you in the name of Jesus Christ that you would give people ears to hear. That you would dig out the stoniness of their hearing and the stoniness of their hearts. That you would break up the hardness of their, their inner lives so that your word would pierce and shine and illuminate their minds and their hearts. And you reveal yourself to them through your word. Reveal yourself to us today through your word. Make us to know what kind of God you are. That you are the one true only God. The God who makes, the God who causes, the God who creates, the God who saves, the God who redeems. Make us to know. Make us to believe and have faith. Help our unbelief. Help us not to doubt or be fearful or anxious. Help us not to fear even death itself. Take away our doubts. Take take away our stubbornness. Take away the hard places. Grant that we would be bold, that we would be faithful, that we would be consistent. Exercising all wisdom that we would make your gospel known to the unbelieving world, that your name would be made great in all the earth. 
that all nations would see the glory of your name in the saving acts. In your saving acts through Jesus Christ, that he is our exodus, he is our Passover lamb, he is our high priest. He is the one who saved Israel. He's the one who saves us. Grant that we would see and that others would see through us. In Jesus' name we hear, amen.